last week, finding freedom, biblical strategies for lasting change. We're talking about the process of getting unstuck and learning how to create change. And not just change, but lasting change, change that stays with you in your life. You know, so many people live their entire lives feeling trapped, feeling bound by one thing or another, as if their life isn't really their own. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, last week we talked about the beginning step of this process. And it's a simple step, but it's, and by simple I mean it's, it's um, well, it's, it's simple, but it do, it's, it's not easy. Because it's, it's hard to get past that, that first step. And that first step is, is beginning to hope again. It's daring to hope again. Okay, it's risking to hope again. And sometimes that can be hard to do. But change starts with hope. But when you have no hope, then, you know, change can be right in front of you, can be right in front of your face, but you can't see it. Because hopelessness serves as a blindfold, okay? It's, it, it, it's, it's a blindfold. It filters out and blocks out the ability to see that the current situation actually can change. And all you see is the, the, the bondage of the situation you're in. Do you remember when um, the solar eclipse happened recently, a few months back? Remember that? Did anybody here ever, did, did you buy some of those solar eclipse glasses? No? One of you. They were sold out. Okay. One, 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 two people. Okay, three of us. Three of us had those solar eclipse glasses. Did you try to look at anything else through those glasses? I mean, you put them on and they are so darkened. You literally, you put them on, and it's like putting on a blindfold Unless, until you look up at the sun, and as you're looking at the sun, in those, you, you see the sun, but you don't see anything else around you. And that's kind of like hopelessness, is, what hopelessness is like. You're looking, and all you're seeing is your, is your current situation. You're focused on one thing. All I see is my financial situation. All I see is this habit I'm trying to break. All I see is this, is this uh, 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 problem I've got in my relationships. All I see is this, you know, what, whatever the situation, whatever it is that keeps you bound, that's all you're seeing. When, you know, when you take those glasses off and you look around, there's life, there's color, there's brightness, there's, there's, there, there's everything is, is going on around you that, you know, you can hear the birds again and, and, and everything else. You can see it so clearly. But when you put that filter of hopelessness on, and we don't have to put it on ourselves, it comes on its own. It just blocks out everything good that's going around, and you begin to think, begin to buy into the lie that says, it's never going to change. My situation isn't going to change. I'm not going to change. And, and that, that situation, yeah, the, the hopelessness blinds you. But the truth is we have reason to hope. And we looked at that last week. We have good reason to hope. Because you may think that you're alone, but the truth is you're not. You may think that your situation will last forever, but the truth is it won't. You may think that there's no way out, but the truth is there is. Your life can change, but it's not going to start with your situation changing. It's, it starts with, with, with change beginning to, to take place inside of you. And that's where you're going to begin to experience real peace 
and freedom. And that begins with beginning to see the change, beginning to hope and realize, yes, this can change. Today I want to talk about breaking free from emotional bondage. Particularly, I'm talking about a persistent feeling of discouragement, a persistent feeling of what's the use. Everybody ever been there? Yeah, many of us have been there. The feeling of what's the use and that constant discouragement. Dealing with resentment when you don't want to feel resentment, or, uh, don't want to feel resentful. Dealing with anger or irritability when you don't want to be angry and irritable all the time. Dealing with despair when you'd rather, you know, be optimistic. If you feel like you're a slave to your feelings and they're always getting the best of you, then today's message is going to help you handle and create lasting change. Because lasting change doesn't come instantly. Okay, We have to move toward that. We have to do some things to be able to bring about lasting change in our lives. And I'm going to tell you this up front. It's not a quick or instant process. It does take time and it does take effort, but it's also true that it can be done. And I know this from experiencing this in my own life. You know, sometimes I'm tempted to make the excuse, well, I can't help how I feel. You ever say that one? I can't help how I feel. I can't help this, you know? It's like, and that's not totally true. I've found that if I discipline myself to take some strategic steps, that I really can change how I feel. Not overnight, but feelings can be changed. Today we're going to look at a story in 1 Kings. It's about the Old Testament prophet Elijah, who went through an emotional storm. I mean, on the surface, things were looking good. On the surface, things were wonderful. You know, God had used him to demonstrate his power in, in a mighty way, not just once, not just twice, but, but you know, several times. And then one day, really after one of his, his probably his greatest victory, one day, Elijah was told something. Somebody came to him and said, hey, better watch out. Queen Jezebel has put a contract out on your life. And for, uh, 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 for Elijah, that's all it took. He was in the midst of this great victory, and then someone comes and says that. You ever been in the midst of everything just going great, and you just feel, and somebody says something, and just it, it cuts to the core inside of you, and all of a sudden, fear comes in. All of a sudden, you, you know, everything comes crashing down because of words somebody spoke. Well, this is what happened to, to Elijah. Queen Jezebel's put a contract down on his life. Somebody comes and tells him that, and that's all it took to just push him over the edge. He lost it. He ran for his life. He left a servant behind, went into the desert, ran for his life, and he ends up crying out to God. And you know what he cried out to God? He tells us in 1 Kings 19.4, it says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. That's what he yells out to God. I've had enough, just take me now. Kill me, Lord, is what he's saying. That's the power of our emotions. They alter our perspective and cause us to blow everything out of proportion. I mean, think about it. Elijah had just come off a major victory where God backed him up in a powerful way. 
with fire coming down from heaven in a showdown with the prophets of Baal. I think most of you know the story. You know, Elijah called together the prophets of Baal and, and, and said, here, you build an altar and a sacrifice and call on your God. I'll build an altar and sacrifice. I'll call on my God and uh, on, the, on the Lord Jehovah. And whichever God answers by fire, then that's the true God. Okay, so these prophets of Baal, you know, they get, they build the they build the, the altar and they put the sacrifice on it and they call out to God. They're there all day just calling out to God, to, or not to God, but calling out to their God, to Baal, the false God. They're calling out and nothing, just silence. And after a while, it gets kind of old. They start beating themselves, thinking if they maybe you know, cut themselves and hurt themselves and show that kind of sacrifice that God will have, uh, um, um, What's a word I want? Or that th that their God Baal will have, you know, will will pay attention to them, and you know, finally, uh, uh, you know, Elijah's like, "Come on, what's the matter? Call, yell louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation or something. He's a distance away. Call louder so he can hear you." Nothing. Then finally, it comes to be Elijah's turn, and Elijah says, "Okay, um, build the altar, put the sacrifice on it, douse it with water." And if you want to start a fire, the last thing you want to do is douse it with water, right? You put everything together, you get your charcoal briquettes going. You know, we, get, we had it grilled out the other day, and one of the grandkids, you know, I put some lighter fluid on and say, Is that water? Oh, no, it's not water. Stand back, because when I light this, it's going to, you know. But it's like the last thing you want to do is put water on it. But he says, Douse it with water. So they do. Douse it again. So they do it again, you know. Keep dousing it until everything's thoroughly soaked. And then he calls out and says, Lord Jehovah. And boom, fire comes from heaven, burns up the sacrifice, burns up the altar, burns up the water, everything. Everything is just consumed by the fire. God showed in a powerful way that he was God. He was the true God. And, and so there, 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 there's, there's, you know, the, the God used him in a, in, in a powerful way here. After, you know, and, and then Elijah, you know, he just come off this victory. And, and uh, God had, had done other things like used him to raise a boy from the dead, um, you know, and, and, and all kinds of other things. And now he's running in fear for his life, ready to give up. So he cries out to God, just take my life. I wonder how many of us here today have ever been in a spot where your situation was so dark, where the fear was so great, where you've just said, God, just take me now where the pit where you were in was so deep, and we just cry out, God, just take me now. See, that's the power that emotional turmoil wreaks in our lives. That's the power of it. Causes us to see a distorted view of reality. This is why the prophet Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? 
See, the heart, that's where our emotions lie. And you can't always trust your heart because emotions lie. The heart is deceitful. It tricks us into seeing things as they are not. It tricks us into ignoring what really matters and persuading us to instead to focus all our attention on things of lesser significance. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 28, 26, the one who trusts in himself is a fool, or as the New American Standard says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. And yet how many times do we hear people say, oh, just follow your heart? Just follow your heart. See, that's the wisdom of man, but God says it's foolish. So Elijah finds himself overwhelmed by his emotions. We sometimes find ourselves overwhelmed by our emotions. We find ourselves in the same place that, that Elijah was in. Maybe there's not a contract out on our life. I hope not, certainly. But other things are going in, and, and you know, we, we feel like you know, there's just no... There's no way out. There's no hope. That's how you're feeling. You don't have to stay there. You can get out of that place just like Elijah got out of it. Elijah got through the emotional pit that he was in. And once he was in a better place, he went on to experience more and more of God's power throughout his ministry. Now, as we look at the story, there are three things. It gives us three hints of what it takes to make an emotional turnaround. When you find yourself emotionally trapped, here are three things that will help you find the freedom that God says is yours. Three things to do. I'm going to warn you right now. The first one does not sound very spiritual, but I'm as serious as I can be about it. The first step to emotional freedom, start taking care of yourself. Start taking care of yourself. See, often when everything's crashing in on us, this is one of the first things that we begin to neglect. Elijah goes off the deep end and, 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 and says, you know, he, that he just wants to die. He just wants to give it all up right there. And then the Bible tells us that he laid down under a tree and went to sleep. See, he was tired. Emotional stress is exhausting both emotionally and physically. It drains you. It drains your energy. And sometimes all you want to do is just sleep. Have you been in that spot? I don't mean you're just a little tired from the day or for hard day's work or whatever, but I mean, you know, where you've got this emotional weight on your shoulders. And all you want to do is go to bed and sleep. That's what Elijah did. He went to sleep. After a while, an angel woke him up. He said, here, have something to eat. Drink some water. So he did. Then he laid down and slept again for a little while longer. Angel wakes him up again. Kind of like a nurse in a hospital. You know, you're asleep. You finally get to sleep in this strange place And the nurse comes in, here, wake up, take the sleeping pill. Um, You know, 
Ever had that happen to you? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so the angel comes in, tells him to, 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 you know, tells him to eat again because he needed strength for the journey that he was about to take. So he ate, and then he traveled 40 days to Mount Sinai, and there he found a cave. And what did he do when he got to the cave? He got another night's sleep. And then God began dealing with him. I want you to see what Elijah did. He ate, he slept, and he walked. I can tell you from both experience and personal observation, when people go through an emotional drought, they often begin to ignore the basics of taking care of themselves. They get down and discouraged, get depressed, they just feel the weight of the world on them. They're emotionally drained. So what do they do? They stay up all night watching TV. I mean, boy, that, you know, shopping channel can really be riveting sometimes, can't it? Just can't pull away from it. Or playing video games. Just hold up. And it's like, I, you know, they don't want to go anywhere, don't want to do anything, just want to stay in the house all day, don't want to eat, or they don't eat well. Sometimes they don't eat, want to eat at all. Other times they eat everything in sight, but nothing is healthy. Any health professional will tell you that these three things make a huge difference in your emotional well-being. Sleep, proper food, and moving or being active. When you find yourself in a season of emotional struggle, it's important to pay attention to this area. So ask yourself, am I taking care of myself physically? Now, it may not sound, as I said, it may not sound very spiritual at all, but it really is, and it certainly is biblical, because God expects us to take care of this body that he's given us. This body that he's given us, it may not feel like it, you may not agree with this, but it's a gift that God has given us. And God expects us to take care of it. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? This body that you have, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Or, or, or it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us, in this body. See, God cares about every part of our being, our physical, our spiritual, and our emotional. And He created us the way he created us, every area affects every other area. Your physical affects your, your, your emotional. Your emotional affects your spiritual, spiritual, physical. They're all interrelated. Think about this when it comes to worship. You come in here on Sunday morning. Everything's gone wrong. Kids couldn't find their shoes. And, you know, you just tell them, you know, okay, we'll go barefoot. It's a vineyard. Who cares, you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, but, but everything's gone wrong, you know, and, and that. And you just come in here, and the last thing of, uh, you know, you feel like doing is coming in here. I lift my voice, you know, and, and, and singing before God, right? Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me. This is what I, anyway, um, uh, but what happens is you begin to lift up your hands in worship, and you're singing the words. You're lifting your hands, and as you raise your hands in worship, 
and begin singing out, the attitude of your heart begins to change and your heart begins to follow your physical actions. Or when you physically kneel in surrender to God in prayer, when you take that step and you feel, not, you know, I mean, God hears us whether we're standing, kneeling, laying, you know, prostrate before Him or whatever. But there's something about when you do, like, physically kneel in surrender that your heart then begins to follow. What we do physically affects us. It affects us emotionally and it affects us spiritually. Therefore, we need to make sure that we're caring for the basics of our physical needs. So there's three things to do. And again, they may not seem spiritual, but they really are. One, get enough sleep. And everybody needs a different amount. Some people can get by on five or six. Some people get by on 12. You know, but whatever it is, get enough sleep uh, for, you know, for what you need. Sleep keeps you, for, it keeps you um, uh, or rather lack of sleep keeps you from seeing things clearly and from thinking clearly. Lack of sleep will wreak havoc on your emotional state. So get plenty, plenty of sleep. Second thing, eat healthy throughout the day. Eat healthy meals. Not talking about comfort food. Okay, eat healthy meals. I find that, you know, I'm at my best both emotionally and physically when I eat healthy. If I eat a lot of junk food all week long, I'm feeling it. We went on this thing a while back where this diet where we just, everything was healthy. And, and that, and, you know, I, I need to get back on it. I'm working on it. But, you know, it, this is an area that, that I struggle with because, you know, when sometimes it's just easier to run through a drive-through, you know, or, or, or whatever, or eat not healthy. But when you eat healthy, it affects you, doesn't it? Yeah. I, when I eat healthy, I feel a whole lot better. I've got more energy. I feel stronger. I feel emotionally more and mentally more alert and aware. Um... Yeah, so, so, you know, eat healthy throughout the day. Um, and I'm not just talking about one or two meals. I'm talking about establishing that as a lifestyle. You know, you can't go and eat one healthy meal and say, okay, got that in for the year or the month or the week. It's talking about a lifestyle. Third thing, move around as much as possible. Stay active. Physical activity. Now, Maybe working out isn't your thing. I get that. Maybe going to a gym isn't your thing. I get that. You know, this year I've been going and I've been enjoying it finally, but for so many years before, you know, I'm 61. Yeah, I'm 61. And it's taken until this year before I actually started enjoying exercise. I just don't enjoy the drive to get there with the roads torn up right now. But that's another topic. Anyway, but, but there, there are things you can do to stay physically active. Start walking more. Start walking more. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. When you go to the store, instead of finding the closest place you can park, park out at the other end of the parking lot and walk. Things like that where, you know, where you're just staying more active and, and, and that so that you're moving around as much as possible. You're getting some 
exercise. <clears throat> when you do these three simple things regularly and make them habits, it's going to go a long way in helping you stay healthy and strong emotionally too. It takes more than that, but that's an important part of it. And when we neglect that, then we really pay the price. Second step toward getting unstuck emotionally, reach out to others. Begin to reach out to others. You know, when we're in the midst of an emotional tailspin, we tend not to take good care of ourselves, and we tend to overlook the needs of others. We begin to look inward all the time. We become inward-focused. We focus on ourselves, and that's because mostly all we can see or the loudest cry of pain that we hear is our own. You can feel, for example, you can feel miserable, right? You can be just so physically ill, feel terrible, stomach hurts, you know, you got back hurts, you know, you got all this pain. And if your thumb, if you're working on something and you hit your thumb with a hammer, what happens? All of a sudden, you forget about every other ounce of pain in your body except for what's in that thumb. And that becomes your focus. Right? Have you ever done that? I, 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 hit a, uh, I closed my thumb in a car door one time. Um, I was closing the door, and it was around the, you know, and it was like, and the door closed. I mean, you've got the edge of the, the front door here, and then you've got the, the, the back door, right? And it was in, there's not that much gap in between those two doors on any car that I've ever seen. And it hurt. I fell to the ground, and my thumb was so I mean, it was throbbing. It was, that was the only thing I could think of. See, and that's what tends to happen is we fo our pain gets focused inward, and all we can see is that pain that we're in. That's, what, that's what's screaming the loudest for our attention. Everything else gets shut out. But, see, when God started speaking to Elijah in that cave on Mount Sinai, do you know what he told him to do? He said this. He told him, first, go out and anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then go and anoint Jehu to be king of Israel. And while you're at it, anoint Elisha to be your protege and your successor. In other words, Elijah, you may not feel like it right now. You may not feel like it today, but you're still my prophet. You may... Feel like you're alone and forgotten, but you're not. You may feel like you've got no future, but you do. So put your gifts to work. Be the prophet you were called to be. Put your own problems aside and go out and minister and do the things I've told you to do. See, when you're stuck emotionally, the temptation is to pull back and do less or to pull back and do nothing and to focus entirely or ex exclusively on your own little world, especially when you're not just emotionally run down, but you're physically run down. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it, 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 everything just draws in, and, and, and that's the thing that you want to resist. Resist the temptation and just focus everything in. Uh, uh, if you want to get unstuck emotionally, then find a way, look for a way every day to reach out to someone else. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God's given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 
So take care of yourself physically. Reach out to someone else by serving someone else and taking care of somebody else's need, addressing someone else's pain. And the third thing, while you do those other things, continue to seek the presence of God. Continue to seek the presence of God. While Elisha was, um, Elijah, while Elijah was in that cave on Mount Sinai, he poured out his heart to God. And yeah, there was some self-pity, there was some, you know, all of that with it, you know, to be sure. But he was in the pursuit, he was in pursuit of a solution. And, you know, God came to Elijah that day and, you know, said in effect, Elijah, stand before me. You're about to experience my presence. A mighty wind came and swept through the mountain. But God wasn't in the wind. Then an earthquake came and shook the foundations. But God wasn't in the earthquake. Then this fire blazed on the mountainside, but God wasn't in the fire. And then Elijah heard the voice of the Lord whispering to him in a still, small voice. And he listened. And he understood. And he obeyed. See, we often wait for an earthquake to come or... Uh, a blast of wind to come along, something that just comes along and just blows in and just changes our circumstances. But first, God wants to do something here. He wants to change us from the inside out because it's not our circumstances that matter in the end. It's what's in here, what's inside. So before you can change your circumstances, he wants to change you. And that always, 100% of the time, involves moving in the direction of a deeper and more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Every time without exception. So if your feelings aren't where they need to be, and your emotions are wreaking havoc in your life, come to Jesus. Lay the things that you're carrying, the burden, the baggage, the, the stress, the everything, just lay it at the cross and let him speak to you in his gentle, soul-changing, still, small voice. Make it a daily priority, spending time in his presence, in his word, sharing your heart with him, listening to his voice, not just looking for an earthquake or looking for the fire or looking for the wind, but listening to a still, small voice. Draw closer to him. Don't wait until you feel good to seek God's presence. Do it today. And keep seeking him until you experience the fullness of his presence and his power. Prophet Isaiah said this. 
Isaiah 40, verse 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, we like to focus on the latter part of that verse. You know, I'm going to, you know, renew my strength. And, you know, my, I'm going to mount up with wings like eagles. I'm going to run and not be weary. I'm going to walk and not faint. But who does that come to? Those who wait on the Lord. There's a connection there that we cannot ignore. This is the kind of emotional turnaround that God promises for his people if we'll do the things that we know to do. When you get trapped in emotional bondage, your mind begins to play tricks with you. Your heart begins to deceive you. Your perspective gets distorted. Your priorities get confused. And, the, and the, the, the pattern gets worse and worse because we try to fix the problem the wrong way. See, we're conditioned to think that when life becomes good, then I'm going to feel good and then I'm going to do good, but that's the wrong sequence. This is how it works. When you do good, you begin to then feel good and your life then becomes good. It's doing that starts it and everything else follows. Not immediately, but it will follow. So you may have always believed that there's nothing you can do about the way you feel, but there is something you can do, and it starts with a simple fact of obedience, doing what you know that you're to do. Put your feelings aside long enough to take some steps in God's direction. Millard Fuller, the founder of Habitat for Humanity, once said this, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And the same goes with our feelings. When you do good, taking care of yourself physically, reaching out in service to others, and seeking God's presence, when you do good, the feelings begin to change. And then your life becomes better. And as I said before, it's not a, you know, snap your fingers and it's done deal. It's a process, day by day. But here's the result. It won't be long till you're running with, running and not growing weary, walking and not feeling faint, and you find yourself soaring with eagles again. It will come. The worship team, come on up.